Thank you so much, Natalie and worship team. That also is one of my favorite Christmas songs. So that just a, a gorgeous message. Um, my only reluctance to wear my R2-D2 sweater was, can you take seriously anything I say from the pulpit with this? If it helps, just kind of squint your eyes and look away, but just focus on the words if you, if you have to. Well, good morning again. And um, we are talking about, as you heard, um, the candle was lit, the candle of peace. I don't know if you all, uh, any of you saw a headline just a, a few weeks ago. And this headline was, No Peace in Sight as Battle Over the Idaho Christmas Display Rages On. Apparently, there is a uh, Jeremy Morris of Hayden, Idaho, has gone a bit Clark Griswold in Idaho, and he has this incredible display. We have, do we have that picture of it? I don't know if you can see that, but this display uh, features carolers, a large camel, and over 200,000 lights, Christmas lights, on the house. The HOA, HOA says it is offensive to the senses. <laughs> and they are seeking to, they say it violates the rights of other homeowners. And so they are trying to get him to take this display down. And so Mr. Morris has now filed a motion in the federal courts that he might be removed from the HOA so he can keep the display. Isn't that stories like this that just warm your heart? <laughs> this Christmas, I mean. Now, now, don't miss the irony here, right? The irony is, is that he's trying to commemorate a, a holiday that is rooted in the idea of peace, and he's being accused of disturbing the peace. Ironic, yes, right uh, there. We've been walking through the different themes of Advent, hope, love, joy, and now peace. And I would say that peace is perhaps one of the most elusive themes that I find each Advent season. And sometimes it's confusing uh, to many of us. And, and the question is this, if the angels came proclaiming peace nearly 2,000 years ago, how come the world seems to lack so much of it? Is that a good question? You can uh, turn to Luke chapter 2 if you want, because we're going to read about the proclamation with the angels. But if you think about this, if the proclamation was that long ago, and yet just a cursory look at our world, and you recognize the wars and, and rumors of wars, you recognize hunger and poverty and aid, some of these giant issues that we're wrestling with. If you see the terrorism, you, 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 you say, God, where's the peace? Where's the peace that the angels seem to promise that Christmas represents? One way to handle the, the issue might be say, well, well, maybe instead of world peace, maybe the angels were talking about inner peace more. In fact, I, I think that's part of the resolution of the issue. 
not fully, but part. We'll talk about that. But here's a problem with that. For many of us, when we look within, we don't have that profound sense of inner peace. And so often, things in life come and it wrecks and ruins the peace that we're trying to live that the angels proclaimed. So the wrestling, how do we understand and live the peace? To, to further complicate things, I always like to read, Jesus had, it during his ministry, different words that he would give that would clarify who he was, words that would talk about his identity and how we understand him, how we understand his ministry and his impact on the world. And some of those words are really, you go, oh, that was who Jesus was. That was what Jesus came to do on the earth. And here's some clarifying words that I always like to include on messages on peace. It's from Matthew 10, 34. He says this about himself and his ministry. I think we have the, the scripture up there. Do not suppose, do we have that? Yeah. Do not suppose that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I did not come to bring peace, but a sword. Did Jesus not realize that the prophet Isaiah referred to him, one of the titles he had was Prince of Peace. That doesn't sound a very Prince PC kind of thing to say, is it? I mean, is, is Jesus in heaven right now going, boy, if there's some words I could take back from the earth, it would be that. Matthew 10, 34, if I, is Jesus like that, saying that in heaven? No. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say No. Why would he say that? What, did the angels have it wrong? Did Isaiah have it wrong? How do we get that and work that? That's the issue. Friends, I want to suggest that peace is a deep central part of not only the life and ministry of Jesus, but the very gospel itself. And that, yes, we're going we're gonna to talk. Some would say, well, maybe they were just talking about the future peace and not the present peace. Uh, that's part of the answer, too. But I, I don't want us to miss. I believe that the proclamation of the angels is meant to be for you and I today, not just in the future, today. And many of us, Dare I say, most of us are missing this incredible peace of Christ offered today. So let's read the angel angelic proclamation. This is from Luke chapter 2. I'm starting in verse 8. And it says, And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes. And lying in a manger. 
Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Would you pray with me? Father, we want to give you especially these next couple of moments, Lord God. Would you teach us? Would you instruct us? Would you help us to hear your words to us? Lord, you, in fact, have called us to be a people of peace. Help us to hear that and live that. In your precious and powerful name we pray. Amen. All right, here's where I want us to start to resolve this dilemma a little bit is I want you to think with me, there's, there's many different ways you can understand peace. And oftentimes for us, in a cultural way, when we think of peace, we think right away of world peace, which is not bad. That's an important part of peace. We, we think of the peace sign or the peace symbol, right? We think of that movement, not a bad thing. I want you to think with me about a biblical sense of peace. The biblical sense would define, you could call it, the foundation of peace or the center of peace in a different way that our world would understand the foundation or the center of peace. You see, Scripture would say that we, if we're ever going to be a people of peace, if we're ever going to live peace... We have to start in one particular place. That this is the peace that every person on the face of the earth needs. This is the peace that your, your uh, family needs, your kids, your parents, your neighbors, your co-workers. The, the foundation and understanding of a biblical peace is first and foremost peace with God that you will never live a sustained life of peace unless peace with God is resolved and then lived into daily. See, what scripture teaches is that we were created, that God is a God of peace, that God is a God of harmony, that God is a God that, that, that created the world in such a way that we lived in peace with him and in peace with creation. But that was the Garden of Eden. The Garden of Eden was that place of peace. Adam and Eve lived that peace that they were created to live in. Peace with God, peace with creation. And yet we can thank Adam and Eve, our spiritual parents, is that they decided to get off the pathway of peace. You understand? They decided rather to live in peace with God as they were created in creation. They said, no, 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 we're going to do it our own way. And thus, peace was disrupted. Peace was lost. Peace was removed. They were not only kicked out of the garden, so peace with God was disrupted, but also 
peace with all creation and all the world. This is why it was introduced all these things in our lives, in our world that, in, that interrupt and, and, and uh, work against our peace. That's when wars and rumors of wars, that's why depression and suicide persists. That's why strife and discord and contention are so prevalent today because our peace was disrupted in that moment. And that's the world that we live. Most of us recognize that the human race is in desperate need for world peace. And it seems so elusive. Now, when the nation of Israel, there were times that they had peace with other nations around them. And you could say they had circum, uh, circumstantial peace, that there was no, uh, no warrior, uh, no kings, no uh, um, uh, battles happening, and they were at peace. Do you know there was a time that everybody in Israel was going, this is great. We're, we're at peace. We're, we're doing awesome. And you had one prophet, Jeremiah. He got to be the unpopular guy like time and time again. And he's saying, no, you are not at peace. And they're like, yeah, we're at peace. They're, no, you are not. And listen to what Jeremiah said. Jeremiah 6, 14. They, the prophets and the priests, the leaders, dress the wounds of my people as though it were not serious. Peace, peace, they say, when there is no peace. What was Jeremiah talking about? In their life, in their practice, they were missing peace with God. And because they were missing peace with God, God was saying, if you don't get this right, if you miss this, then all around you, the circumstance, it's not going to go well. And in fact, their circumstantial peace, their world peace was disrupted because they missed the foundation of what the, the peace that Christ, uh, that God was inviting them into in their daily lives. I think that we can look a little bit like Israel today. That we are so focused on peace here and we're not even asking the question about this peace, soul peace, peace with God. In fact, it's pretty incredible. You can understand the entire gospel and the message as a peace initiative by God in this world. That what was lost in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, that God said, I'm not going to leave my people there. I'm not going to leave them disrupted. In fact, I'm going to go after and create a covenant with them. In fact, he, he calls it, we're going to read this next scripture, it's called a covenant, a relationship of peace. And this covenant of peace will, will be with my people or it available to my people in such a way 
that regardless of the circumstances around their lives, they can remain at peace with me, peace of soul. Listen to this, Isaiah 54.10, just an incredible scripture. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be removed, yet my unfailing love for you will not be shaken, nor my covenant of peace be removed. Says the Lord who has compassion on you. That incredible that he would, covenant, remember, represents marriage covenant, covenant with God, relationship, and he says, I've initiated with you, my people, this covenant of peace. It's rooted in my unfailing love. It's rooted in my compassion for you. It's something that you can receive and take in. And once you do, it doesn't matter the the loss or the pain or the struggle or the depression or the despair or the wars. None of that can mess with the covenant of peace that I want to establish in your life. And how much more, this is the Old Testament, how much more in relationship with Jesus can we have that sense of peace? Some of you have heard the phrase, looking for love in all the wrong places. Yes. Some of you have been guilty of living that phrase, right? I've been guilty of living that phrase. I want to just adjust that just a little bit. We're looking for peace in all the wrong places. When we think about peace, we're, we're looking first and foremost. It, I, it, we'll get to that, but it includes circumstantial. But we're, we're, we're missing. We're, we're looking. When we pray for our friends and family, what do we pray for them? Oftentimes, we're praying Circumstantial peace, right? The best prayer is peace with God. In fact, the the circumstances, circumstances are never going to be quite right until this is right. Amen? Amen? We need our response to stop looking first and foremost. We get to pray for circumstantial peace, without a doubt. We get to pray for world peace. We, we get to pray for all those things, absolutely. But that's not the foundation. That's not the center. We, as God's people, should know better that the beginning of peace, the foundation of peace, is peace with God. Some of you are familiar, I I didn't ask Beth to sing this song, but some of you are familiar with the song, I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day. So the first stanza is this, I heard the bells on Christmas Day, their old familiar carols play, and wild and sweet, the words repeat of peace on earth, goodwill to men. That, That song is going through all generations, right, singing of peace on earth, goodwill to men. The story behind the song 
is really significant. It actually was a poem first. Um, The author was Henry Longfellow, and he wrote it during the Civil War in the United States. And his son had gone off and fought in the Civil War and was uh, severely wounded. And it was Henry that had to nurse him back and walk with him and and care for him as his son uh, sought to heal and rehabilitate. And, And the context, that context helps us understand the third stanza of the song. And the third stanza reads like this. It says, And in despair I bowed my head. There is no peace on earth, I said. For hate is strong and mocks the song of peace on earth and goodwill to men. You see, he was saying in in one sense, he hears the angels singing peace on earth, goodwill. He he took it in, he knows it, and yet his circumstance seems to mock that very Christmas message. In his own way, he's saying, where's the peace in the poem? And then in the next stanza, he says this. Then pealed the bells more loud and clear. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail, the right prevail, with peace on earth and goodwill to men. It's like he recovers that idea. He says, "I, I still believe, I still trust. There's times when I feel that my peace is being severely challenged. Whether it's circumstance, whether it's ministry or family or friends or health or whatever that is. And there's a a, a phrase that I like to repeat to myself when I'm in the midst of that. Right in the midst of that despair, I, I like to say, you know, God's still on the throne. He still, he still got me. He still is at work. He, he's not sleeping. He's not, he, this circumstance that seems so devastating to me, it did not take God by surprise. <laughs> and in fact, there's something that I, I've learned that I'm trying to learn it because I don't want to keep learning it. (laughs) That oftentimes he wants to take circumstantial disruption of peace and rather than remove it, he wants to take it and use it to grow my inner peace. Yes? Boy, it's not a fun lesson, is it? And yet, 
that there's been times when, when, when something becomes so disruptful, so, so difficult, so, so challenging, and yet it's right there that that's the, that's the challenge of faith. Am I going to believe that God indeed is a God of peace? Am I going to believe that he's created and offered and I've entered into this relationship, this covenant of peace, and that he can maintain me? Regardless of what's raging around. I confess sometimes I'm able to recapture that peace and live in peace. And sometimes I'm just not. Or at least it takes me a long time to hear his word and recover that and sing that fourth stanza to say, yeah, that's God. He is at work. I love how that stanza continues. God is not dead, nor doth he sleep. The wrong shall fail. Whatever wrong is happening, that will not persist. That does not win. Evil does not win in our world. I trust God for that. Wrong shall fail and the right prevail. God is going to prevail in this circumstance. I don't know how. I don't know when. And sometimes I have to say, maybe not even in this life. But the faith says, I trust you. I trust you, God. You have promised to prevail in all things. You've promised peace in all things. You've promised healing in all things. And I'm trusting you for that. How incredible would it be if we were to able to live 2019 in that sense of covenant peace, regardless of circumstances, regardless of the headlines in the news, regardless of our professional lives or relationships that we would trust. Wouldn't you like to live 2019 that way? Boy, I would. I would. Now, just in a grand sense, I'm going to give you one other piece here of how to understand this. The gospel, when Paul talks about the gospel, he talks about it rooted, the good news of Jesus is rooted in the the idea of peace. Look at with me Colossians 1, 19 and 20. For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him. Sounds Christmassy, doesn't it? That's what Christmas is about. All of God's fullness dwelled in Christ when he was born in us. And through him to reconcile to himself all things. When things are not reconciled, irreconcilable, they're not at peace. Whether things on earth or things in heaven... By making peace through his blood shed on the cross. Read one more verse from Paul, Romans 5, 1 and 2. Therefore, 
Since we have been justified through faith, faith, we have with God. Through our Lord Jesus, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace in which we now stand. Friends, there's this invitation here to receive the peace of Christ that transcends, Paul calls it transcends understanding, you could say transcends circumstantial peace and to receive it again and again and again. All right, stay with me here. What disrupted our peace initially? Sin. Sin. Adam and Eve. Yes, all right. What disrupts our peace now? The same thing. Can we do anything about Adam and Eve's sin? No, we cannot. Can we do anything about our own sin? Yes, you can. You see? Yes? Yes, and, and so part, of, and of course, not always our sin is the, the, what's responsible for the disruption of our peace, right? It's probably more often than we'd like to admit, yes? But even other people's sin. We now, we can't affect or control other people's sin, but we can affect and control the, the impact of their sin on our lives. Amen? Yes. Amen, Logan. Yes. Anyone else have an amen for that? Yes. We can control that. We can affect the power. That's what's disrupting our peace, our sin, and others' sin in this world. Jesus Christ came, died on the cross, because Adam and Eve's sin was crushing us. And Jesus said no more. And he said, I will take that crushing sin. I will be crushed so that you might be set free. That by faith, did you hear Paul's words? By faith, we can have peace with God. No longer will that sin be a barrier between us and him. Jesus Christ wipes it away. That's why the angel goes, yes, peace on earth, goodwill to men. Amen? Amen. That was the reason. And yet, each day, our peace can be disrupted. And each day, he gives an invitation to come and receive the peace of Christ. My unfailing love will protect you and surround you. Would you trust me? Would you have faith that this, this relationship that creates so much strife and pain and difficulty, yes, I want you to walk through that valley. Yes, I'm going to teach you about things that you can't learn on the mountaintop that I can only teach you on the valley. Yes, I'm going to ask you to walk through that. But I want you to walk through that with my peace in your soul, with my love that will never be taken away, nothing in this world. Jesus said you will face many trials in this world, but take heart, I've overcome everything. 
that you will face. I was reading a uh, story about a, a pastor. He was reflecting on, he had the opportunity, beautiful opportunity to spend Christmas Eve and Christmas in Bethlehem. Wouldn't that be glorious to be in Bethlehem? And he wrote, he wrote, when I tell people the, that I got to spend Christmas Eve and, and Christmas in Bethlehem, their usual response is, that would be magical. And he says, it wasn't. It was scary. Literally, he says, scary. So you see, Bethlehem is in Palestinian territory. It is bound by massive prison-like walls and constantly under the watchful eye of Israel and Palestinian military police who stand ready to swoop down at the first sign of trouble and squelch it with brute and even lethal force. In the Nativity Square on Christmas Eve, the police in groups of five or six, six shook down my son three times. And on Christmas Day, we were caught in the middle of a secret uh, a street riot, stones flying past our heads, and tires set ablaze, and the police dispersed with tear gas. It forever changed my image of the birthplace of Jesus. Isn't it stories like that that just warm your heart on Christmas? No, no, that wasn't. And I get this image of the pastor walking with his son. And I see this pastor. In fact, he's a, a well-known pastor. And it's this beautiful ministry. I see him as this person of peace, that he has this covenant of peace. And he's walking in peace. And yet, not yet, someday... Bethlehem will be at peace. Someday Jerusalem will be at peace. Someday. I think the angels were not only talking about peace with God. I think they were talking about world peace. But we get to live peace with God in the here and now. And we get to trust him for world peace. There's one last thing why I'm asking you to think real deeply. That's really why I wore this R2D2 sweatshirt. I'm going to invite you to think deeply. One last thought is the peace, biblical peace is peace is established in Christ Jesus at Christmas. It's initiated. Peace will not be fully realized until he returns the second time. You see, when Jesus says, don't think I've come to bring peace, there's gonna be a faithful church that passionately follows him and we're gonna face difficulty and pain worldwide. That's what Jesus was talking about. But someday that will be resolved. But here's the most important thing. 
If the gospel is to be understood as central with peace, then the gospel followers, you and I, are to be expanding peace in the here and now. We are to be the people of peace that recognizes that this world is not at peace yet. And he's saying, blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons and daughters of God. They will be my children. When you are that advocate of peace, then you're looking more and more like your heavenly father. You see that? Not only are we not supposed to be lamenting, where's the peace? Where's the peace? He's saying, the peace is in you. It's been established in the cross. And now I'm calling you to enter into those places that peace has still not been resolved. And be the person of peace. Look at your, uh, the final section of your outline. Paul, I, I just wanted to include this. There are so many scriptures I, I wanted to include, but we would have been here for three hours. So I just include this one. If you want to be a person of peace, Romans 8, 6 says this. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. What governs your mind? What, what is your, another way, to, a more modern way to ask that is, what's your mindset? What's the attitude in which you bring to your life circumstances? Think about one of the most powerful or difficult moments in ministry for me was when I was serving a large church outside of San Diego in Chula Vista. And uh, I was pastor of evangelism and discipleship. It was a large church. It was growing rapidly. And yet I had real issues with how uh, the, the pastors that really controlled everything and led everything, I was very young, how they were doing ministry. Really wrestling. And for better or for worse, I wear my heart on, the, on my sleeve sometimes. And I, I'm vocal, right? And it gets me into trouble sometimes. And they recognize that I was not at peace and I was, I was pushing against some of their things. And they pressed in and they said, listen, Eric, you're either with us or you need to leave. And uh, we had our first house and we had a mortgage and we had two young kids. And the smart financial thing for me to do would be to put my head down, shut up, and start looking for a job, right? Because pastor's jobs, they're not like other jobs. Like usually you have a search committee that meets once a month. And so you're talking like six months to a year. And this was our income. 
and they were pressing and pressing. And I was wrestling and wrestling. They weren't going to change and respond. They were asking me to go in line. And after much prayer with family, friends, discussion, I decided to leave, let go. I'm not very good at being unemployed. Recognize that. It was the potential to really be disrupting. And there was just one thing that kept me in peace the entire time that I was unemployed. I can't remember the exact months, between six and eight months, I was unemployed until the the next call came. And this was the one question is am I doing God's will for my life? And I knew if I wasn't doing God's will, I would have no peace. I have no peace. But if I knew that I had done what God was telling me to do, then nothing like unemployment and the mortgage that came every month could disrupt what was here. Now, before you think I was incredibly successful in that, God did have grace, and uh, I was very young in my faith, so I think he gave this to me. I have not received an inheritance often in my life. At that exact moment, as I entered into unemployment... He provided a little inheritance from a grandmother that passed away. So that helped with my peace quite a bit. (laughs) They walked through there. But mindful, the, the principle that I felt like he was teaching me is that if you're in my will, the peace covenant is secure. You understand? All right, last verse that's so powerful that I want to reiterate today and then we'll let you go. Jesus, his ministry model was not simply, I'll do all the good stuff, you watch. What was his ministry model? I'll teach you how to do the stuff, right? And I'll provide everything you need, but you do the stuff. So he sent out the 12, and then he sent out the 72, and he essentially told them, preach the kingdom, heal the sick, and then listen to this, these uh, verses that he says. He actually says it to both the 12 in Matthew and to the 72 that he sent out, and now they're on a mission, and he says this. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Boy, there's a lot of peace references in there, isn't there? It's almost as if he understood the gospel as a gospel of peace. Isn't that amazing? Do you notice anything there? When you are sent out, whether it's at a workplace, whether it's at school, that if you're a Christian, 
whether you recognize it or not, you have a peace within you, a peace of soul there. And as you live your life, as you interact with friends and family, he is inviting you to share that peace with all who are around you. And there is a power in this. As you represent the presence of the living God in this broken world, you represent the peace of God to friends and family. And then the other part of that verse also says, hey, look for the people that are not Christians, but, but there's a heart for God. They're looking for God. They recognize their need for God because that's really where your peace and your message and the gospel is going to land and you're going to see the fruitfulness of ministry. Again, the call is that you and I would recognize the beginning of peace Recognize the angel's proclamation means right here and right now in this broken world that lacks peace. You can be the peacemaker. You can be the peace bearer. How neat would it be in 2019 if not only you walked in the covenant of peace, but how much better would you be the person of peace that brings peace to this world that so desperately needs it? Let's pray. I also want to invite the, the prayer, not only the worship team, but the prayer team folks, if you want to come forward. And I get, I get that sometimes this season that, that it can seem like it mocks our pain and our, our struggle. I get that so often we can say, where is the peace? Yet I want you to hear. I believe this is what the Spirit is saying. He's saying, I want you, this peace, this covenant of peace, this relationship with me, this unfailing love, you can enter back in regardless of the circumstance that you're facing. Maybe you feel like this message was just for you. I want to invite you to come forward, be prayed for. I also want to encourage those who never understood yourself to be a bearer of peace, that you haven't recognized the call by God on your life to be a daughter of peace.
a son of peace. Would you be prayed for as well and receive his commissioning? Lord, we love you. We thank you, Jesus, that when you came, you began this peace movement, this peace initiative in the world that begins with the hearts of men and women around the world. Lord, would you help us to be a part of your peace movement? Would you help us to live peace and to share peace? In your name we pray, amen.